everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that have happened in history. My name is Amelia Edwards and with me is my co-host, Barnaby King. Not just co-host this week. Do you know what day this goes out on? The 10th of March. I'm the birthday boy! (laughs) (laughs) That's right, this is my birthday episode, so I will be taking a very relaxed approach to this episode. Just gonna lean back here. Oh yeah, oh that's much better. We should have got you some cake. Oh, not up against the microphone. I'm gonna do the podcast from here. I'm sure everyone can hear me perfectly fine. Although not according to... Uh, audacity. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, get get closer again. All right. I'll, I'll I'll go back to my normal level. But yes, this is my birthday episode. It is. Ah. ah. <laughs> and I've completely disregarded that um, because it's also... <laughs> it just shows how little you care. <laughs> <laughs> it's also um, Women's History Month. Oh God, again? I God, know. when's Men's History Month? God. I don't know if there is a Men's History Month, actually. <laughs> Probably not. What would be the point? <laughs> what would be the point? As most of history, people just, you know, record what men do and then mm-hmm. go, oh, some women there, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did something, but probably because a man helped them. Pretty much exactly that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I think we, we tend to do a reasonable amount of uh, women-led history because mm. women's history is quite interesting and there's lots of interesting female characters from history. And plus, as we alluded to just now, it's not as often reported. So we get to do it on this podcast and be like, hey, this is weird and you probably didn't know it because, you know... They're well, women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to do exactly one of those Yay. today. And I'm doing one where I know the story quite well, which actually makes it very hard to research mm. because I know a lot of stuff about it, but okay. it gets a bit sort of mumbled yeah. up in my memory. Fair enough. Um, so as you may have gathered, this will be a medieval story, but we're going to start off in 1934. Ah, the medieval time of 1934. Absolutely. When men went to speakeasies with broadswords and dressed in armour. <laughs> That'd be great. Actually, that would be great. I'm just thinking about like a gangster film. I think this is a little bit late for the sort of the real gangster popularity, but yeah, I, I'm just imagining it now, but everyone is just, it's medieval. Yeah. I think that would be great. It'd be so good. Yeah, drive-by shootings would be difficult. Like, you don't have a Tommy gun, you have a crossbow. You've got... So you just sort of, like, <laughs> ride along on a cart, shoot once, and then it's, hang on, hang on, I've got to get the winch out to reload this thing. Oh, but if it's set in England, then it's the longbow. That's true, which, I mean, admittedly much faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, seems a bit redundant, really, if you're just, like, riding up to a shop front with a load of archers and shooting from about 10 feet away. I guess. Anyway, it's 1934, and Lieutenant Colonel William Erdswick Ignatius Butler Bowden... No, no, what? Lieutenant Colonel William Erdswick Ignatius Butler Bowden... uh, Okay, I'm sorry, I'm... (laughs) He's just got a lot of names. And and they're all amazing. They are, aren't they? I mean, William's pretty basic. (laughs) I mean, how dare you? I had a cat called William. (laughs) Ignatius, though. That's not one you hear very often. And every time you do, it's like, ooh, Ignatius. I suspect it might mean that the Butler Bowden family are Catholic. Um, Ah. So Ignatius Loyola was a famous um, Catholic... What's the word for being... Part, oh, the Counter-Reformation. He was part of the Counter-Reformation. Right, I see, I see. So whenever you have those things where priests are hiding in holes mm. in um, Tudor times, that's probably because of Ignatius Loyola. Could it just mean that this family is constantly on fire? 
I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway. Because they're Ignatius. <laughs> Anyway, Butler Bowden um, is at home at his country house in Derbyshire. Delightful. This is how I remember the story. I can't find this confirmed anywhere online, but I'm going to say it anyway. The family really wants to play a game of tennis. Nice. Make that shit up, sister. I'm going to. (laughs) The family wants to play a game of tennis, but they can't find their tennis rackets anywhere. I know. Isn't it always the way? So they look in the cupboard in the library. And instead of finding their tennis rackets, they find a strange manuscript, which is written in Middle English. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you there just for an aside, because this clearly shows I've been listening to way too many podcasts about murders and paranormal stuff. Yeah. What you said then, opening up the cupboard, I heard and found a strange man. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a man living in the wall situation. No, they find a A medieval manuscript. Okay. That they just kind of, what, put down and forgot about? No, they don't know how it got there. <laughs> okay, fair The enough. Butler Bowdens have been living in this house since the 1700s. <laughs> Jemima, um, come here a sec. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever seen this before? I, I swore I had my golfing shoes in here last week and now it's, it's a, a medieval manuscript. I know, right? <laughs> like, they just find this manuscript. It's been there for probably hundreds of years. This just feels like either it's a point-and-click adventure game or it's like the start of a really bad adventure film. Oh, it could be. <laughs> um, especially because instead of going on a mystical quest, yeah. they get in touch with a man called Albert Vanderput. Oh, another good name. Good name of the Victoria and Albert Museum. Oh, nice, the V&A. Mm-hmm. One of your favourites. Yes, I really like going there. And I once got paid to eat there accidentally. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So when I was a lot younger, I went with my sister. Uh, we used to do this thing like going into London to go to a museum or a show or something. Mm-hmm. And we went to the V&A once. And you know how like the London museums are great, but the food there is always ridiculously expensive. Yeah, because they don't charge you for entry, so they have to charge you a lot for the food. Exactly. So there was a time, like, we uh, we went in and we decided to get some food there, like, just splash out a bit. Mm-hmm. So Get one of them six-pound sandwiches. Yep. So uh, went over, handed over a ten-pound note for the food, mm-hmm. and... Was I was expecting a five pound note in change? Yeah, and the person accidentally gave me a twenty pound note. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a bit more of an exciting story. No, it's not. But I just I I, I like it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> You're right. That's such a dull story. Why did I tell it? <laughs> it's exciting to no one but me. <laughs> oh dear, what has lockdown done to me? I mean. It- <laughs> Imagine if we could go to the V&A tomorrow. Oh, Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be so good. I really want to go back to London. Anyway, mm. that aside, mm. Albert Vanderput of the Victoria and Albert Museum shows it to a lady called Hope Emily Allen. Now, Hope Emily Allen is an American medievalist who specialised in English medieval history and particularly writers. Okay. And she happened to be over in Britain for a little bit, um, sort of doing more of her studies and more of her feminism as well, because what she liked was medieval things and feminism. It sounds like you. She's pretty cool. (laughs) And Hope Emily Allen identifies this as the only surviving manuscript of the book of Marjorie Kemp. Okay. Okay, so the thing was that people knew about Marjorie Kemp if they were part of the medievalist world. Right. Um, but they only knew her as a female mystic because Wink and DeWord had published extracts of her book mm-hmm. in 1501, but only extracts that were about visions. Right. 
So people thought that this lady was kind of a medieval mystic lady. There's right. quite a few of them around. Okay. Um, that she had probably been an anchoress. Mm-hmm. So an anchoress was somebody who basically lived in a sort of small cell attached to a church. Okay. For a long period of time. Pretty cushy job, really. Uh, you just sort of don't, like you got your room, you got mm-hmm. your board. I pre- I presume because yeah. you're not going out to work. Yeah. So you just sort of it, it sounds like lockdown again. It, like it does. A you're bit, just sort of yeah. stuck in a room, and occasionally you like order food. Like Deliveroo comes along <laughs> and drops off. The anchoresses <laughs> used to have to speak to people and sort of counsel them, I guess, as well. Okay, so it's sort of like medieval counselor or yeah. like therapist. Yeah. Uh, you can go along. Uh, I presume you don't go in the room. No, no, you don't. No. I think that they were bricked in. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're not getting it. No, no, no. <laughs> Unless it's like it's some sort of initiation thing for new patients. It's like you can see the anchoress if you can get in the room. <laughs> you're given like a spoon. No, no, no. I think like the idea was you'd live there for years, yeah. like possibly for the rest of your life oh, or damn. possibly for a set amount of time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that they used to brick you in, not properly, but so you have a sort of like window that you talk through. Right. Like 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 a prison cell door when you've got like that little window. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. So right, so this is Marjorie Kemp. Yes. Now, I've heard the name Marjorie Kemp a lot yes. from you. Yeah. But for our listeners, she is a mystic. She is a mystic, but there was way more to her than just her mysticism. Okay. So what Hope Emily Allen had identified was probably the first autobiography written in English. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And this becomes super interesting when I tell you that Marjorie, although she was reasonably wealthy, she was a common woman. Oh, She was not the nobility at all. And like many women of her time, she was probably illiterate. We've got no evidence that she could read or write. Ah, so this was ghostwritten. (gasps) It was. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, it wasn't (laughs) ghostwritten, it was narrated. Right, I see. And so she got someone to transcribe her thoughts down into a book. I mean, that's pretty handy. Like, you've got her in a room mm-hmm. she can just narrate out the little the little hole oh no no no, no. writing down on the other well, side we have to scratch that she wasn't an anchoress people thought she was an anchoress oh i see wait didn't we go to a church where she was meant to be an anchoress that was julian of norwich julian of norwich god there's so many of these people i know and the best thing is that marjorie kemp met julian of norwich right. as well okay and she also had an anchorite who was her confessor. Okay. But that was an anchorite, not an anchoress, because right. it was a guy. Okay. So, right. I, I have to confess that even though, as I've said, you talk about Marjorie Kemp a lot. Yeah. I don't have a great deal of knowledge about who this woman is. That's absolutely fine, because I'm going to tell you about her now. Yeah. So what I've got so far is she is a common woman or a peasant woman i guess not a peasant she's okay. part of the merchant class right so she's slightly above but you know not she's not nobility she's no. not she's not sort of typical history person no she's not right. she's an ordinary person more or less and she's super religious very religious right and has a lot to say on the matter yes <laughs> so much so that someone basically writes her a biography of her but it, uh, yeah. it's, it's dictated. Yeah, she dictates it to two separate priests. Right. Uh, the first one died, um, uh, and then she moved on to the second one. Her biography was that shocking. <laughs> I know. Well, it's pretty shocking, and it's quite interesting as well. And mm-hmm. um, so this is the thing. So we had this idea of her up until basically World War Two mm-hmm. as being just some mystic with mystic ideas, and yeah. then we get this whole autobiography of her, and suddenly she becomes 
a woman with a lot of complexity to her. Okay. Um, so I will start from the beginning. And this is the things that we know about her from actual historical sources, not mm. just her book. Right. So Marjorie was born around 1373 in Bishop's Lynn, which is now King's Lynn, ah. in Norfolk. It <laughs> got a promotion. I know. <laughs> <laughs> her father was a merchant mm-hmm. and had been mayor of Bishop's Lynn. Oh, nice. And had been a member of parliament as well. Oh, well done, him. I know. And her brother was also an MP. Oh, well done. So she's from a well-connected, wealthy yeah. family. Not, not quite the sort of dirt-farming family. Family I originally had in mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like, when I say merchant class, I mean merchant class. Right, like, right. she's got cash. Yeah. When she was around 20 years old, she got married mm-hmm. to a man called John Kemp, who was a town official. And they had 14 children. Whoa, what? I know. Jesus. Yep. God, I mean, fair play to her because, you know, childbirth's pretty dangerous during this time. I mean, it's still dangerous. Oh, well, it yes. was incredibly dangerous yeah. in medieval times, yeah. 40, it, it's like it's like the uh, medieval version of extreme sports. <laughs> extreme pregnancy. How I, many can use? Oh, God, I was about to say something really horrible. <laughs> I was about to say, how many can you squit out? Oh, no, that is horrible. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Okay, so her book starts just after she's had her first child. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's now- like, I write this at the bedside, having just given birth. <laughs> Pregnancy f***ing hurts. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. She, she writes the book, or, or at least narrates the book, towards, like, later on in her life. Right, okay. Um, but she starts the book when she's had her first child. Right. Because this is when she starts having her religious visions. Ah, okay. So after she's had this child, mm-hmm. she has... She, like she finds herself being tormented by some sin that she'd committed and never confessed. Ooh. And she never tells us in the book what this sin was, but she became so tormented by it that she had visions where the devil appeared to her Damn. and told her, you know, that she was a horrible person and that she was going to go to hell for the sin that she'd committed and never confessed. Did she forget to confess or was it she like... She didn't want to confess it because oh, it's, that bad. it's too bad. Oh, salacious. I know. Oh, I want to know. Yeah, Just... me too. But I don't, I don't know. I have a suspicion it's something to do with sex. Well, that would make sense. It's kind of based off Marjorie's lifestyle. Right. We will see later on. <laughs> um, so she got so anguished by these visions that she tore at her skin oh god and she bit her hand so hard that it scarred and she says when she's writing the book that she still has the mark to this day and obviously her husband and her servants were really worried about her so they restrained her in her room Damn. I know. Now, people have tried to diagnose her, and mm. basically they think that this might have been some kind of postpartum psychosis, mm. which kind of that, would, that make would make sense. sense. Yeah. But it does get tricky to diagnose people oh, at yeah. this time for loads of reasons. Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Like, it's, if you do it, you're kind of... You're kind of making it a bit sensationalist. You can't really draw any accurate judgments. Mm. People, even though their behaviour is quite similar they're still different like oh, yeah. you've got different cultural societal impacts and yeah you you can't you can't yeah. do it and she's growing like she's living in this incredibly religious society mm. not necessarily religious in the way that they live their lives but in terms of the things that they're constantly surrounded by yeah um and this kind of shows from the she way that she shouldn't have built a house out of crucifixes <laughs> oh god religion is everywhere <laughs> it's to keep out the vampires of course <laughs> Now, her visions only stopped after she had a new vision. Ah. So in this vision, Jesus appeared to her 
sitting on her bedside. <laughs> and it was like, Marjorie, chill out. Pretty much. <laughs> Now, I love Marjorie. I think it says a lot about her that she always describes Jesus as very handsome. Oh, nice. He's a good looking man. <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs> I'm thinking now, there's a Rick and Morty episode yeah. where they're on like a train of narrative causality. Oh, yeah. And there's a bit near the end where Jesus turns up and rips his shirt open. And there's like abs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, that wasn't the, uh, the fashion in well, medieval no, times. But-, but yeah, basically yeah. that. Um, <laughs> And he was wearing purple silk. Oh. Lovely. And she starts twirling her hair. Oh, Jesus. Hi. Hi. I hear you died for my sins. I'm just like, I'm so grateful for that, you know? <laughs> well, Jesus asked her, daughter, why have you forsaken me? And I never forsook you. And Aww. after this, you know, she God, felt she's, better. She's really harsh on herself. She's so harsh on herself. <laughs> like throughout this book, it's incredible. Like her vision is like, why have you forsaken Jesus? It doesn't sound like she has. It sounds like she's really tormented by something. Yeah. And, you know, cut her some slack. Well, to be fair, Jesus is cutting her some slack, mm. but it's still kind of saying, hey, this is your fault. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I think it's basically saying cut yourself some slack, yeah. really. And after this, she felt better and she was able to speak to her husband and go and get food for herself and kind of gets back into a normal lifestyle. Mm, nice. Now... The thing I like about Marjorie is that this one religious experience does not make her a religious person. Okay. She keeps f***ing up. <laughs> literally? Uh, no, not literally. Yeah, but that, she keeps that, making that makes mistakes. sense, actually. Actually, no, once literally. Oh. <laughs> okay, so um, Marjorie wanted nice things. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a typical lady. She's in her early 20s at this point. She wants her pretty dresses. Like, literally, yes. Oh, nice. And also, she's she's quite fun because she's used to coming from this reasonably high-up family in yeah. Bishop's Lynn. So she gets really um, angry if other women are ahead of her. Oh, wow. And that kind of thing. So, she, you know, she's, she's a pretty normal lady. Medieval mean girls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she did something that's actually kind of typical for medieval women with some money. Mm-hmm. which is she started a brewery oh okay yeah fair mm-hmm. enough i'm uh, with you there yeah so starting breweries was such a big thing for medieval women that mm. in the peasants revolt of the 1500s mm-hmm. um you can tell who the leaders of the peasants revolt were yeah. by looking at whose wives had the best breweries oh. because people whose wives had good breweries had a lot of money. <laughs> I see, yeah. So this was like a really big thing and a status symbol <laughs> almost. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it cool? It is cool. I'm imagining this is like a sort of microbrewery operation going on here. <laughs> Pretty much, but it's not like just her with her brewery. It's not home brewing. Oh, okay. Um, for her anyway, she hired servants. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's got like a proper operation going on. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, nice. So she's hired the best servants. She's got the best ingredients, but it just didn't work out for her. Oh, no. Because the beer kept going flat. Oh. Well, you know, you can get carbonation drops that are really (laughs) good and in in some ways too good. That's Uh. true. They... definitely were too much for your um, individually bottled beers that would have exploded. Yeah, they would, but thank God for flip-top caps. I know. (laughs) Okay, so um, the thing that is kind of interesting about Marjorie is that her servants seem really bolshy, I think. Okay. They were like, it's not working out for you, Marjorie. I'm leaving. Oh, damn. I know. Um, And so she saw this as a sign from God that she should stop being vain and trying to go on about her appearance. Right. Um, So she shut down the brewery. Okay. 
But then she remembered she still wanted nice stuff. Right, So yes. she started a new business. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, she built a horse-powered grain mill. Again, apparently a reasonably, like, normal thing for okay. wealthy medieval ladies to yeah. do was to mill your own grain. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. However, the horse refused to walk on the mill <laughs> except backwards. Okay, just rotate the horse i guess apparently it still didn't work right okay um, so once again her serpent was like you're cursed like this is not working out for you I mean, i'm leaving just get a different horse surely one would have thought but, um <laughs> she this horse is going backwards oh the whole operation <laughs> i can't do it anymore have you ever seen a horse walking backwards no i haven't no it sounds mad imagine how weird that would be <laughs> You'd definitely be like, no, this this grain mill is not designed to work out. I don't know. I I think I'd be looking at it and go, there's something wrong with that horse. <laughs> I wouldn't be going, there's something wrong with that mill. It's making the horse walk backwards. It was the mill. The horse was being normal when it wasn't on the mill. And as soon as it went on the mill, it went weird. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So once again, the servant left and she finally decided she was going to live a proper religious life. Mm. But the thing is that she's already married, so yeah. she can't do the normal thing and become a nun. Right, yeah. But she decides that she wants to do some of the things that nuns would do. Mm. So she wants to live chaste. Right. In other words, not have sex. Yeah. But there were a couple of issues with this. So firstly... She claims that she used to be lustful and really enjoy sex with her husband. Like, she mentions this later on in well, her book. I mean, she's got, she gets 14 children. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Birth control's not really a thing. So it is a tricky thing for her to do. Yeah. Like, she, she's really into it. Mm. Um, the other thing is that a married woman couldn't be chased at this point if her husband didn't want to be. Oh, yeah, that's grim. It's a little bit grim, and it's something that was kind of ingrained in people, so the idea yeah. of consent is not there. I mean, to be fair, it's only relatively recently that... Like the 1990s. Yeah, yeah. that laws, you know... Have changed and yeah. said that you... That rape and marriage exists. Yeah, there, exactly, I said it, exactly. I said it. I didn't want to, yeah, no. but you pulled it out of me. I'm God sorry. damn it. Um. So the thing was that her husband at first didn't want to be chased. Mm. Later on, he changed his mind. On the whole, he seems to have been a good guy. Right. So, like, it's a bit iffy in terms of our mm. current thoughts on it at yeah. the beginning. But, you know, he does seem to have wanted to make her happy and allow her to do the things mm -hmm. that she wanted to do. So, eh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll try and skirt around I, that a I bit. I know. It, it's tricky with these things because, obviously, like, there are a lot of people in history who did, like, really cool stuff, but also mm -hmm. did stuff that now we would consider real dodge. Oh, yeah. And generally, you can you can acknowledge that. Like, yeah. It doesn't mean you have to completely get rid of the person mm. or anything like that, which is what I feel people who moan about cancel culture don't understand it's like we're not trying to get rid of admiral nelson no 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 <laughs> just trying to say hey he did some cool things did do some shitty things as well yeah you can keep those two ideas in mind absolutely um so the thing about marjorie's chastity mm -hmm. is that it seems to have been really outspoken oh wow like i think everyone knew <laughs> Um, I think there's for a couple of reasons. Like, apparently later in her life, when her husband was obeying the rules of chastity, yeah. um, people kept... He's just knackered. <laughs> <laughs> He'd been trying to keep up all his life and he's like, you know what? 
yeah, the chastity sounds good right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sore. Like, <laughs> we've had 14 kids. We don't want any more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. They're eating us out of house and home, Marjorie. Mm. But um, apparently, like, friends and family used to doubt that they were living chaste and, like, be really obnoxious about it. Right. Um, and so, like, said if they went on pilgrimage together that obviously they were going off into a field or something. <laughs> Um, so I think that Marjorie was really open about the chastity thing. I think it sounds like she was also really open about a lot of stuff because it seems like she's got this lustful reputation. Yeah. And then she's like, no, I'm being chased. And everyone's like, yeah, Marjorie, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as soon as she'd taken this like vow of chastity or at least like chastity when she could be chased, yeah. um, she found that a male friend, a good looking man... <laughs> was flirting with her and tried to convince her to cheat on her husband <gasps> and her vow with him. Oh, no. And being Marjorie, she succumbed to her temptations. <laughs> that was going to go two ways. I thought it was either going to be she succumbs to her temptations or she beats him to death with a Bible. <laughs> no, she succumbs. She right. turns up to the place where the guy asked her to be. Um, <laughs> Jesus is there and he's like, Marjorie, no. <laughs> no, no, it's worse. Oh, no. She talked to the guy yeah. and he told her he'd been testing her to see <gasps> if she was really chaste and she had failed. Oh, what a dick. I know, right? What? That's such a dick move. <laughs> yeah, I hate this guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I think it's kind of interesting that she's included this bit, but it's just so embarrassing. Could you yeah. imagine? So... Marjorie's religious life is really up and down. Mm. So it sounds like it. <laughs> she she makes these constant attempts to live in a way that she saw as like properly devoted to God. Mm. So at various points she wore a hair shirt under her clothes, she gave up meat and alcohol, she refused all food on Fridays, and she tried to live in chastity. Okay. But then at various points Jesus asks her to do those things. And then sometimes he allows her not to do them, like mm. when it makes life a bit easier. And, you know, you end up sort of sitting there at the book being like, did Jesus really say it's okay for you to eat meat on Fridays? She doesn't have to wear the hair shirt on laundry days. Well, actually, <laughs> the hair shirt was one thing that she chose to do herself. Ah, and should, Jesus should, just tells us straight up, don't do that. Should we explain what a hair shirt is? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because um, I, I think that it's one of these things... I think it's mentioned in something like Game of Thrones, but it's not really explained. And that is one of my benchmarks for what do people know about history? Okay, so, sure. What is a hair shirt? So basically you get all kinds of like animal hair that's kind of matted together. In the case of Marjorie, she made it herself on a kiln. So like um, just basically kind of bakes it together. Okay. And the idea is that it would be really itchy and unpleasant. Nasty. And the reason why people used to wear them is because if you were very religious, it stops you from feeling comfort at any given time. So you're constantly focused on that and that helps you to kind of focus on your religious devotion as well. Just seems like a pain in the ass. Well, that's what Jesus thinks apparently too, <laughs> according to Marjorie, because he just said, don't do that. Yeah. Marjorie, Marjorie, just put on a normal shirt for God's sake. Yeah. (laughs) And like, meanwhile, her inner life was absolutely wild. Mm -hmm. So she was constantly having visions. Um, These included visions of the birth and death of Christ. Right. And a vision in which she married him. Oh, amazing. So there are a few of these, actually. Apparently, this is a whole like field of medieval study is about um, brides of Christ, like people who've had visions in which they marry Jesus. (laughs) I'm just imagining, you know, there's that thing in popular culture where it's like, young girls imagining their dream wedding and everything mm-hmm. i'm just imagining that, like this is the medieval equivalent all the women are like oh my god i'm gonna marry jesus he's so dreamy it's gonna be <laughs> wonderful i mean it's okay 
I've been I've been rereading bits of her book. Yeah. Uh, today and the account of them getting married is just so bizarre. Okay. Because he basically says like he wants to be he wants her to consider him as her husband not just in a sort of religious sense but in a physical sense oh okay like there's very much this whole like whole body emotion Mm. of this and then the slow jazz starts up he begins to take off his robe thing Mm -hmm. and then the abs come out absolutely (laughs) so one thing that historians say about this is that her visions are actually kind of a sneaky get around they're they're a sort of uh What's the word for it when you find you find a hole in an a argument? Loophole. Yeah, they're a yeah. loophole. Right. So medieval women were not allowed to preach. Ah. Um, because, and I believe it, in Catholicism, they're still not allowed to, pre- to preach. I it's think they against are the now. rules. I, you can have female priests now. Can you? I think so. You can have female vicars, but I don't know about priests. I feel like you can, but I'm not. Right. It's not a hill I'm going to die on. Fair enough. Okay, so um, in medieval times, at least women were not allowed to be preachers. They weren't allowed to preach anything about the Bible. Their voices were too small and demure. <laughs> oh, hello, I'm here to talk to you about the Bible. Speak up, woman. It's because of St. Paul. Oh, God. St. Paul? Okay, right. I have I have <laughs> a bit of a bugbear about St. Paul mm-hmm. because St. Paul is one of these people who laid down a lot of rules yeah. but also believed that the second coming was going to happen in his lifetime yes so he was very much like like i know he's one of the main reasons that chastity is such a big thing in christianity because he was basically like hey we should all be super virtuous and part of that is being chased because jesus is coming back any minute yeah and then obviously jesus didn't yeah so you know people need to procreate otherwise people die out that's what happens but you know because he's saint paul and he's like Big ups with Jesus. Mm-hmm. His words continue. Ah, it just he annoys me. Yeah, it, it's either Saint Paul or Saint Peter, but basically same deal. Like yeah. they said that women couldn't preach in the holy places. Yeah. So ultimately, she's not allowed to make any commentary on the Bible. Right. But she and all the other female mystics can have visions about things that happen in the Bible, and then make commentary about that. Right. I also love this idea that it's like, Marjorie, you cannot make comments on the Bible. And she's like, too right. I can't read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Well, she knew she knew Bible stories, though, to yeah. be fair. Um, so her visions about the birth and death of Christ are actually really interesting because mm-hmm. they really focus on the participation of women in both events. Okay. So um, her vision of the death of Christ really focuses a lot on Mary as in the Virgin Mary, and also on Mary Magdalene. Right, yeah. So there's this whole idea about seeing everything from a female perspective, which Mm. I think is, like, super interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say that it really focuses on how goddamn sexy Jesus is. I mean, Jesus is sexy. (laughs) Um, We will talk more about Jesus' sexiness later. Okay. She also, and this one's a bit of an odd one, she also frequently heard the Holy Spirit... And at first this alarmed her because at first it was the sound of like bellows being blown in her ear. Huh, okay. Um, but then she mentions to Jesus, to Jesus because she's constantly talking with him. Mm-hmm. Like she mentions at one point she talked with him for about four hours every morning. Damn. I know. That's got to eat into your day. I think it does. You've got to be like, Jesus, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> loving this chat, but I've got things to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, she doesn't have any businesses to run anymore. Oh, that's true. The horse keeps going back. <laughs> 
Jesus, I've got to run. The horse is going backwards. It's a whole thing. <laughs> My servants are just leaving and saying that I shouldn't be doing business. Oh, yep. God, I don't know what's going on. And Jesus is like, well, you Marjorie, I'm trying to tell you that this isn't what you should be doing. Jesus, look, I, I just don't, I need to not hear from you right now. <laughs> I've got other things going on, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when- boundaries, Jesus, boundaries. <laughs> so she mentioned to Jesus that she'd got a bit upset about the sound of bellows blowing yeah. in her ear. So he changed it for her <laughs> to either the cooing of a dove or the sound of a robin. <laughs> and the third option was Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. <laughs> but yeah, isn't that weird? That's so weird. It's like you can... I was, it, it's it's like one of those things where you, you've got like an app on your phone and it talks to you and you can change the voice yeah. on it. <laughs> All you've got to do is talk to Jesus and he will change this. Yeah. By the way, I'm so sorry to any Christian listeners. I've just realized this sounds like totally ragging on Christianity. Oh, yeah. But no. I only really mean it from the way that Marjorie is yeah. interpreting Jesus. Like it's it's batty. Yeah. Believe what you want, guys, as long yeah. as you're not hurting anyone. We're not here to pass judgment on you. But we will pass judgment on Marjorie Kemp's mad vision. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that she did, which I think is the most interesting parts of her book, mm-hmm. um, was that she went on pilgrimage in order to live her religious life. Makes sense. So she went to a number of different places in England, including Canterbury, York, and Leicester. Ah, the big three. Mm-hmm. Now, at many of these places, she found herself in arguments with religious people or with the authorities. <laughs> Oh, Marjorie sounds like a kind of a party girl. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about her. Sometimes I think she's kind of amazing. And sometimes I think she must have been the most annoying person yeah. to spend time with. I'm kind of imagining her with like a really strong Essex accent. And mm-hmm. it's just like, babes, babes, babes. No, you got it all wrong, right? You got it all <laughs> wrong. You see, Jesus, he says, I don't need to wear the air shirt, right? <laughs> Lines don't look good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so... I'm going to give you an example of getting in arguments. Yeah. When she went to Canterbury, a monk asked her what she could say about God or the scriptures. So she told him tales that she'd learned from the scriptures Mm. and some of her own opinions on God. Excellent. And he became incredibly angry with her. Makes sense. He said that he wished she was enclosed in walls of stone. Whoa, okay. Because women should not be preaching. Or maybe he was subtly being like, hey, you've got the makings of an anchoress. I know, right? (laughs) Um, when she visited Leicester, which is kind of later on in her life, but yeah. I'm kind of lumping all of her pilgrimages mm-hmm. in England mm-hmm. together, uh, the mayor had her arrested. Oh, damn. Yep. And she was tried for lollardy. Now, the lollards... <laughs> lollardy. <laughs> the lollards were like a Christian her- like heretical movement. Mm. But by the time that Marjorie was around, um, lollardy kind of just means any kind of heretic. Right. Particularly heresy that takes place in English. Mm. Because... One of the things with Marjorie is she doesn't speak Latin because she's not been educated as far as we know. Yeah. Um, So she does all her preaching in English, which was not a language that they were telling the Bible in. No, it's a big no-no. Yeah. So it's actually kind of interesting because she's had all of these tales told to her, Mm. but she must have got them from some kind of secondary source because they're not in Latin, which she would have heard in church. They're in English. That does explain why she was telling people about the time Jesus rode a dinosaur and fought off aliens. Mm-hmm. Which is especially amazing because they didn't know about dinosaurs in those days. I know. Mm. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Those visions were pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> well, accurate is a strong word. Mm. Uh- <laughs> so the account of her getting arrested by the mayor is like 
actually kind of horrible to read. Oh, no. Because she was arrested, um, which she wasn't too bothered about because, you know, Jesus is always with her and comforting her and things like that. But they also arrested her two friends who were with her. Oh, Um, damn. She traveled a lot with male companions because you had to back in those days. Mm. Um, So eventually the mayor let them go and they just had to wait. But they also threatened to rape her while she was there. What? I know. Jesus. According to her own account, she managed to avoid this. But like, it's something that she's constantly a bit worried about in her book because she's a woman who's traveling. She doesn't want to give up on her chastity. And it's something that becomes like a constant worry for her. You know, earlier when we were talking about like the differences between people, it's like still got same shit going on throughout history as you do now. I mean, yeah, like people can just be super gross. And I'm going to be honest, I think it's Marjorie's weirdness that managed to save her. Fair enough. Yeah. She is deeply bizarre. Yeah. And her behavior was bizarre as well. Um, it is a it is a method. It's a method. Mm. So okay, to to make it actually, this isn't going to make it lighter, but to no. put it on a different track. So, to my knowledge, Lollards and heretics in general were like that. They would often face death sentences. Yep. Uh, particularly Lollards were burned, I believe. They were. The companions of Marjorie are mentioned in the book as worrying that that's what was going to happen to her. They thought she would be burned. And was this something that was being threatened for them? Yes. Right, okay. So the companions got let go pretty quickly. They weren't accusing them, but they were accusing her. Yeah. um, Because she's a female preacher, she's Mm. preaching in English. Um, She keeps, you know, saying, I'm not a preacher, I'm just having visions, and that's a different thing. But ultimately, people kind of thought that the things she was saying were from the devil. Right. And yeah, they did threaten to have her burnt. Damn. Um, They took her to court and tried to speak to her in Latin, which was the language of the court. Yep. She said, I only speak in English. Babes, babes, I don't know what you're saying right now. <laughs> All I'm saying is I'm getting vision from Jesus, right? And he says, you're a wanker. <laughs> um, she insisted they speak in English and she actually won that point. Oh, like, nice. They said, okay, fine, we'll try you in English. <laughs> and they decided in the end that she wasn't a lollard. So she went on to York where she was arrested for lollardy. <laughs> <laughs> No! Oh no! God. It's like, it doesn't matter where I go, right? It's the same shit, different place. Exactly. I, I don't know why I've decided that she's from Essex, but I love it. It's especially funny because she's from Norfolk, but never mind. <laughs> well, we're going to do the Norfolk accent then. Oh my god. <laughs> Tricky accent to do. It's basically just Somerset, but more. You're dropping, man. You're dropping. <laughs> Okay, so as well as going on pilgrimage in England, she also went on pilgrimages abroad. So I've got a long list of the places she visited. Excellent. She visited a place called Zyrex Z, Constance, Rome, Bologna, Santiago de Compostela, um, Assisi, as in Francis of Assisi, and the Holy Land. Oh, Now, through her tales of traveling abroad, she talks pretty constantly about how the English people she was with and traveling with, because she had to travel as a group, they just constantly abandon her or they mistreat her. <laughs> She's starting to sound a bit like a travel writer. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like She talks a lot about the places that she visits. Yeah. Um, she also visited Venice, but didn't actually have much to say about it. Right. Um, now, they were really put off by her because of her holiness and constant talking about Jesus. And her strong Essex accent. Her strong Essex accent. You know, I don't know why people keep going on about Venice, right? I went there, it's nothing special. 
Um, she also wore white clothing um, oh, okay. because Jesus had told her to do this. Yeah. But the thing was that a lot of people really hated that because it made you look like you were a nun. Mm, and yeah. so she seemed to be impersonating a nun, which she wasn't. Yeah. And again, that's causing loads of um, like strife and confusion. Yeah. Um, the mayor of Leicester was particularly worried that she would tempt other women away from their menfolk. I'm not sure why. She's but- that hot. <laughs> Possibly. She's turning all the women gay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more like maybe you should yeah. make like a female commune or yeah, something. I, get it, I don't yeah. know. Um and also her nearly constant weeping. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Babe, it's nothing. I've just got a problem with tear ducts, right? <laughs> okay, so this is the thing. She, I haven't mentioned it before, but yeah. she was nearly constantly crying. It's a really big sign in her book of her religious behavior because Christians at the time were really fo- were really um, encouraged to focus on Jesus's death, right? Right. And she thinks of Jesus as being like a close friend. Yeah. So she responds to his death each time as though she's learned that a close friend has died. Jesus. Yes. Literally. Uh, <laughs> okay, right. So I know we weren't going to diagnose her. Yeah. I'm not, but no. I am going to say it does sound like she has some mental health issues. I think so. But at the same time, it's like she's just kind of interesting about it. She talks oh, yeah. about she talks about her weeping a lot, mm. um, partly because it's one of the things that really turns people off of her because they don't want to be with somebody who's constantly crying. Yeah. Um, and also because it's something that kind of affected her throughout her life. Mm. Um, she talks at one point about the fact that she did try to hold it back because she knew it was annoying people, but she just couldn't. <laughs> she tried it for a day and then just farted uproariously. It had to come out somewhere. <laughs> so yeah so these people keep either abandoning her or at one point they cut off her dress to the knees what because they were so annoyed with her like holier than thou attitude i guess um which yeah like dick move guys yeah there's also she she, okay she does sound annoying yeah but there are ways around this and it seems like the, the servants who were like working for her they had the best idea which is like just just leave mm. like don't mess around with her don't like play tricks or like be like a dick to her just go yeah like they also tried to encourage her servant that was traveling with her away from her mm. um which fair enough the servant wanted to serve them more because they're having a good time on their pilgrimage and yeah. she you know isn't they're the party um, side well this is the thing so they're going on a pilgrimage you would assume that they're holy people but mm. they are living like most pilgrims were which is treating it more like a bit of a holiday yeah i mean i i know about the, pa- the canterbury tales i yeah. know that pilgrims basically on a pub crawl <laughs> pretty much that's what it is um sounds great <laughs> There's also a bit on this pilgrimage where they're about to get on a ship and one of the priests who's traveling with them steals her sheets. What? Wow, okay. But at the same time, I'm wondering if that's just like a misinterpretation on her part. Like, you know that sometimes when you're traveling, it's very easy to get confused about who owns what. Right, yeah. So I don't know. That or they were just really drunk and thought it would be a good prank. Could be. (laughs) So, yeah, they keep trying to sort of abandon her, which was really dangerous because it was very common to get attacked on the roads. Um, But it also leads to some really interesting comments by her. So at one point, she wanted to climb Mount Quarantine, which... (laughs) Oh, okay, what? 
I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, It's near Jerusalem. It's Ah. also called the Mount of Temptation. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Quarantine. It's spelled like quarantine almost. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) The lockdown. But this is supposed to be the mountain where Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 Ah. nights. Um, You know, when he climbs up the mountain and looks down and the devil says, you can have all of the lands of the earth. That's where it was. Mm. Um, So she really wanted to climb it. And none of the English... English travellers would help her climb. But a young, good-looking Muslim man helped her up the mountain instead. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) And she also mentions that the Muslims made a lot of her generally. Like, apparently, they were super nice to her. Excellent. Good. Someone should be. (laughs) (laughs) She did have a lot of nice people around her as well. Um, But the complaints she has about her her, travelling companions come up a lot. And I think that that's kind of hilarious. Like, isn't that just such a modern thing to yeah. complain about? It, it is. Like, it's weird how many, like, modern, like, these ideas that you can have. What am I trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how well this kind of meshes with modern ideas. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's it's kind of weird because you start off the book learning all about her religious yeah. life. And then it does turn into this kind of travel story Mm. and it is still talking about her her visions and the different religious things that affected her throughout her life yeah but it all of her traveling issues despite the fact that it's such a difficult thing to get to jerusalem in medieval times whereas nowadays it's like i don't know a three-hour flight probably um yeah, it would be the modern day equivalent of like writing a, a thing and being like, ah, oh, I turn up in Jerusalem, but all my baggage has gone to Athens. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she's she does a lot of traveling, like a shocking amount of traveling. Mm. Um, but it does seem like she's going around with all these groups of people. So it was kind of a commonish thing to yeah. do if you were doing this with so many like if you were doing this with as much money as Marjorie Kemp has. She's interrailing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so eventually, after she'd been arrested both in Leicester and in mm-hmm. York, yeah. uh, she came home to look after her husband, who had become very ill after a fall. <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about her husband and 14 kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of her kids, by the way, it seems like she had on a pilgrimage. Oh. I know. Scandalous. Was her husband there? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. It was, <laughs> yeah. So she did some of her traveling with her husband right. as well. I thought she was really into that good-looking Muslim guy. <laughs> oh my goodness, no. I, I I think she was too old for him at this point. Ah, fair enough. Um, now... Well, all she needs is Dr. James Graham and his rejuvenations. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I don't think she would have been into it. It's kind of the opposite of what she's going I for. I mean, well, I don't know. Early Marjorie. Early Marjorie. She would, yeah, she would have been into that. Shout out to last week's episode. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so she'd been living separately from her husband mm. because so many of their neighbours didn't believe they were living in chastity that they decided <laughs> to live in separate houses just to make it more obvious. They're like, Marjorie, we know you're not chaste. We've got very thin walls. We can hear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, unfortunately, her husband, like who was about 60 at this time, mm. um, he had this fall and it seems to have affected him quite Aww. a lot. Um, And she also decided to write her book, which was transcribed for her by the two priests. Mm. Um, After her husband died and her son died around the same time, or one of her sons, Mm -hmm. um, she went on a final pilgrimage that we know of uh, with her daughter-in-law, as Ah. in the wife of that son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because her daughter-in-law was German. Right. And her son had been living in Germany with 
um, with his wife and had come back to look after his sick father. Yeah. Um, which, again, such a yeah, modern thing. Yeah, it really is. Um, so she decided to take her daughter-in-law back to Danzig. So they yeah. travelled together that far. And then on, she travelled on from there through Germany and northern France as well. Hmm. So we don't know exactly what happened to Marjorie after the book ends. Right. We get a lot of information on a single woman through reading this book yeah. which is one of the really interesting things about yeah, it's it pretty cool yeah um we do know that a margaria kemp joined the trinity guild of lynn in 1438 which was the year her book was completed right so the trinity guild was a guild for religious merchants so uh, merchants okay. who were also particularly yeah. religious which I think sounds pretty interesting in itself because I didn't know before reading about that that women would be allowed into guilds at no, all. It, it, like, thinking about history, it doesn't seem like that's something that would be done. Mm. But um, ultimately, we definitely know that a female Kemp mm. did do that and it's probably Marjorie, um, although it could be one of her daughters because, yeah. let's face it, there were... 14 kids yeah. and there's a lot of them They've o- got to do only something. one of them that we know of has died so far so we're still on yeah. 13 um but i think that suggests to me that there were probably still people on her side and yeah. who were interested in the things that she had to say and could put up with the constant weeping and could put up with the constant <laughs> weeping so that's all i've really got Maybe to say she just had allergies <laughs> No, um, it's howling. It's not just uh, eye okay. crying. It's, it's loud. <laughs> I was thinking it's like they throw her in a cell, there's like straw on the floor, and she's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> the weeping comes again. Just give her some Puritan. She'll be fine. <laughs> Clear those visions right up. <laughs> so that's all I've really got to say about Marjorie Kemp that's and her brilliant. book. Yeah. Um, I think she lived a fairly interesting life, yeah. but the way that she writes suggests to me that there were other women living mm. similar types of life the merchant class was fairly large in the 14 to 1300 sorry in the um where am i up to oh yeah in the 14 to 1500s mm. so there's no reason that there wouldn't have been other marjorie kemps who just didn't write their books fair enough or if they did the manuscripts are lost so yeah. what i reckon we should all do now mm-hmm. is search the cupboards in all our houses yep. because going to turn up some sort of medieval manuscript somewhere you never you know when you're going to find a lost medieval manuscript exactly and then it'll either take you on some sort of like nicholas cage style adventure or you just kind of contribute to history and mm. yeah which i think is probably the better outcome it's probably better yeah less exciting less treasure less treasure yeah Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for any episodes for us, you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin MacLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, and any other music that Barnaby's included. And thank you for listening. Bye.